You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Composite Two-Star Recruits, a USC recruiting podcast where a couple of one-star hosts talk about five, four, and three-star prospects and everything in between. I'm your one-star host, Chris Trevino. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host and my podcasting partner in crime, Gerard Martinez. You might know him as G-Mart. Some of you might know him as Gerald. Some of you might know him as Hurricane. Gerard, there was a lot of hurricane going on in Southern California this morning. But how are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, the uh, thunderstorms were popping off. In the IE, we had uh, like a firework show almost going on for uh, a solid hour. So uh, that was a little surprising. wasn't really thinking that was going to be in the forecast this morning. But yeah, we got a little taste of uh, Norman, Oklahoma here in uh, Southern California. Do you think it's a coincidence that we were filming or recording probably our most anticipated Composite Two Star Recruits podcast of this season? That the day that happens, we got some some hurricane and some thunderstorms going. Do you think that's a coincidence? No, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's actually divine signs that USC is going to sign every player that visited. No, no, I, I, it was just coincidence. Uh, had nothing to do with anything. It's humid. It's kind of weird, but it's nice. It's been a long time since it's rained in Southern California, so uh, that was actually probably nice uh, just to get uh, a little bit of that cleansing from uh, Mother Nature. You ready for that? Hurricane. Sorry, I had to. I couldn't resist. I could not resist. Uh, We have a, a lot of things to talk about, mainly our recap of USC's historic jam packed. Uh, visitor weekend over this last weekend we do have a couple of commits to talk about and that's going to be our cold open but gerard just right at the top of the show any predictions will we get a a fight on emoji and will anyone commit during the show oh gosh i hope not um (laughs) we have to hit it just right like we did the other week uh with grant bucky where you went on a a tear about the uh, overtime tournament and allowed me to get the story up I don't know if we'll have that. That was a perfect alignment of things happening where we just continued the show. We didn't have to stop anything. And I was able to just get this story up and just we just kept going on. Um, But um, we did already have a commitment today. And when I say we, I mean USC. So (laughs) not expecting another one later today. But there is that possibility. There is another fish out there that could decide to latch onto that lure and come out of the water. Absolutely. And I was a little worried that perhaps Kate Eldridge, a three-star jumbo athlete out of Linda, Washington, that he was going to commit during our show, but decided to go a little bit earlier in the afternoon. So let's just start with him, Gerard. Uh, six foot five, six foot four, 240 pounds, plays out of Linden, Linden Christian School out there in Washington. We talked to, talked a little bit about him last week in terms of our crystal ball stock market and how you know, USC was the trending school for him going into his visit. And then he there was a a flip pick or a new pick for him going to the Ducks. And we kind of talked about we reacted to that. But USC decided or Brandon Huffman decided to double down on his USC pick and even bumped up that confidence. And then here he goes and he pops on his commitment today for USC on Wednesday, the 11th commit of the class. He is rated the number 533 
overall player, number 38 athlete, number seven prospect out of Washington, the number 37 athlete in our rankings, a consensus three-star prospect, chose USC over Oregon, Washington, Boise State, California. I believe he also had a Michigan offer. So uh, a nice little list there, a little West Coast list. He is listed as an athlete, but he can do a lot of things, play defensive end, play tight end, play halfback, a little running back. And he's being recruited as a tight end uh, for this offense and kind of that H-back role. Uh, Gerard, what have you seen from this guy? What have you seen from on tape? Because everyone wants to know. Can he play? Yeah, he can play at 6'4", 235. He's a running back for Lyndon Christian. And he's playing small ball competition. It's not uh, a lot of Division One guys that he's playing against. But it's nice to see that athleticism. A guy that, that is that big has those skills to be able to actually be the full-time running back uh, at the school. And so you look at that and you try to transition his skill set to what USC needs from the tight end position. And it's that H-back position that we've talked about. The OU offense used a fullback, quasi-H-back, quite often. That was a, a focal point for them in the run game. And it was a guy that got a lot of little kind of like dinky dunk passes that ended up being really big for them on some third downs. And so you look at Cade Eldridge, he's a little bigger. Uh, a lot of those guys for OU are in that 6'1", 6'2 range. Cade Eldridge is like 6'3", 6'4". Uh, but he has that ability in terms of once he gets the ball in his hands, he, he knows how to run. He knows what to do with it. And I think that's really big. And I think he's got good hands. Uh, in the size and, and everything that you have with it, I think that's a perfect fit. We talked about him last week where we had this sort of strange occurrence where after the official visit, the vibe was that L.A. was a little too big. It didn't fit him personality-wise. And I think everybody understands that. I think just reading the message boards and listening what Trojan fans had to say about the crystal ball pick going to Oregon, it was understandable. Like, hey, listen, you know what? L.A. isn't for anybody, everybody. And if you go – to a smaller school in a smaller town, uh, you know, you can understand where just the pace of life and the lifestyle in L.A. might be just a little bit too much for you. And everybody kind of came to terms with that. And then all of a sudden we hear, you know, mid midweek uh, going into the uh, official visit weekend where USC has its big time, you know, four star locker, locker lines uh, tied in out of Folsom, California, a five star. Deuce Robinson out of Pinnacle High School in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And so that's the two, you know, the sort of one and two tight ends on everybody's board on the West Coast. But as we talked about last week, when we were under the impression that Kate Eldridge was probably going to go to Oregon, their plan A, if you will, was they want Deuce Robinson and they want Walker Lyons, but they also need Kate Eldridge because yeah. both Robinson and Walker might end up not being on that team in 2023 or beyond because we know Deuce Robinson is a very good baseball prospect and there's potential that he could end up being uh, drafted by the MLB and going minor league and so you wouldn't have him and then with Walker Lyons he's going to go on a Mormon mission uh, January of next year and won't be back until at least 2024 so you know, you, you have your top two guys there, but you realize that those top two guys are maybe not going to be available right away, but Kate Eldridge is. And, and again, Kate Eldridge comes in at a, at a slightly different position. It's not necessarily the traditional why that you would line up 
and put on the line of scrimmage or split wide, he's a guy that can actually play a little H-back because he's comfortable playing running back. He's comfortable in that mold of being in the offensive backfield. So as a blocker and as just terms of his vision and his skill set, he fits really well there. So it's a, it's a great pickup. It's a fit pickup. It's definitely one of those when we talk about brick and mortar and that sort of philosophy of building a team, he's a mortar guy. And he's a guy that you got to have when you win championships. Uh, and everybody's going to focus on Deuce Robinson. Everybody's going to focus on Walker Lyons because, you know, those are the guys that are the big time pass catchers. But, you know, Kate Eldridge ends up being, you know, maybe just as important and a guy that ends up getting just as many snaps. Recorded 794 total yards and 11 touchdowns in 10 games last season on offense and on defense. Recorded 15 tackles for a loss, 62.5 total tackles, 4.5 sacks, and two forced fumbles as a defensive end. Do you think he heard, saw that clip of uh, Lincoln Riley's uh, speech at Crypto Stadium or whatever that you want to be on the rocket ship? Do you think he heard that and was like, I got to get on this rocket ship? No, because we heard that the tide was already turning for him. I do think that there was a conversation that happened between him and Lincoln Riley, and I think Lincoln Riley really closed it. I think he closed the deal. I, I think that he started to rethink things and go, gosh, Oregon is closer to home. Oregon is more sort of my pace. Eugene is, is more my pace of life. And I think Lincoln got on the phone and said, listen, I'm from Mutual, Texas. You know, the coaches on this staff or a lot of these guys are from smaller towns and he probably, and I know, I mean, in the write-up that uh, Brandon Huffman has on the site, uh, Kate Eldridge talked about getting out of your comfort zone and sort of challenging yourself and doing different things. And so I think that conversation really hit home with him. And I know it's hit home with some other recruits that he's spoken to that were on the official visits last weekend as well. And so that's an interesting dynamic, and that is something that Lincoln Riley has in his back pocket. He's a small-town guy, and now he's in L.A. It's a big difference between being a small-town guy and being in Norman. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, I mean, Norman is, is obviously bigger than Muleshoe, Texas, uh, but it's not L.A., and so, you know, Lincoln Riley's practicing what he preaches, and that's a big deal. When you're able to back up what mm -hmm. you say with what you do, I think that just it hits home a lot more for recruits and their families when you're actually doing the things that you're talking about. And some coaches don't, some coaches have a lot of rhetoric and they have a lot of salesmanship, but they're not necessarily doing what they're saying. And so from that standpoint, I think it connected well with Kate Eldridge. And I think there was just a point in time where he says, you know, what? screw it. I like USC the most. That's where I really want to be. I can't be scared off by living in a, in a different place in a different environment I need to embrace that, and I think that's why he ended up committing. Reminds me of a young kid who came out here almost 10 years ago from the DMV. Yeah, the DMV. That's real slow pace, <laughs> the DMV. Real small town there. Yeah, so really good pickup for the class. And as we mentioned, we don't really talk about the tight end class being a critical, critical need for 2023, but it actually is just because, you know, USC has Ethan Ray, who has, you know, had the knee issues. They have two older guys and a Josh Follow and Malcolm Epps who will be probably moving on after the season. You lost Michael Trigg through the transfer portal. So right now you're really only two young guys are Jude Wolf and then Lake McCree entering his registered freshman season. So they need some bodies in that room to do to be able to do what Lincoln wants to do with that tight end position and that H back, H -back spot. And, you know, there's a possibility they do sign all three of those guys, uh, Cade, Deuce and Walker, depending on how baseball works out. And regardless of, you know, 
Walker taking that mission, he's going to sign somewhere. And, you know, we would still probably feel really comfortable with USC being in that top two. We're still going to we're going to talk about that when we get into the full breakdown. Before we move on to USC's other commitment, does Cade remind you of anyone that you've seen play or anyone jump out to you a comparison? I mean, you know, just on film, you're, you're, you're seeing a little bit of what we saw from Carbon, uh, Carson Tabarachi, uh, who we at the P. No, no, you got to say it right. You got to say we, it right. We at the P, we know him as Carson Tabarucci. Yeah. And uh, Carson played a similar role in high school. Now, Carson's going to play on the defensive side of the ball for USC as he just transferred in from Utah. But on film, he did a lot of those things where he's a guy that's 6'1", 6'2", and he's playing running back and he's a dynamic running back. He, he does some really good things at running back. And a lot of Trojan fans that watch this film, are like, Hey, can we, can we get this guy a running back? He's got a little bit of I Melopi to him. And again, we started to talk about the evolution of the offense sort of transitioning away from uh, what Graham Harrell had done and as to what to Lincoln Riley does and like to do at Oklahoma. And you're trying to fit pieces into the puzzle and you're looking for that H back, you know, you're looking for that guy that you're going to bring in motion. You're going to bring in some wham blocking. You're going to bring in uh, some mic blocks just straight up the middle. And USC does not have that or did not have that in Graham Harrell's uh, offense in terms of run game. It was very much side to side, sort of trying to open up holes uh, by, uh, by, by just sort of gap discipline and there's a little bit more G block and I don't want to say it's G block, but it's a little more straightforward. Uh, we got to get a hat on a hat and get North and South with Lincoln Riley's run game. And I think um, the tight end position, what we're going to see is it's going to transition to be a little more traditional and a little less of the hybrid is Drake London, a tight end or a receiver type of offense. You know, there was a lot of that that went on with, you know, was Drake London a receiver or a tight end? They have another tight end there in Eric Cromenhoke. Um, but are you using 11 personnel or are we looking at Drake London now as a, as a receiver uh, or is he still a tight end? And I think going forward, you're just going to see more of a traditional tight end used and uh, you're going to see receivers used. So there's going to be a little more definition there. I think how they're used is going to be a little more well-defined. And so um, you're not going to probably see that sort of blurred overlap line, which, you know, I can understand why from a schematic standpoint that works. You know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but obviously for Lincoln Riley, it works better to have those guys in line and uh, to use some type of H-back in the run game, which we know did not work for USC in the past. Okay, Hurricane, let's move on to the second commitment. We got a big boy in here. We got a, a trench gay guy. We got a trench god in Amos Talalele, who committed, uh, I believe, like 24 hours after his uh, official visit this weekend. An interesting recruitment. Obviously, he was a cow commit when he took the visit this weekend. There's a lot of questions are, well, he was slated to come for this weekend. He committed to Cal early in June after his Cal official visit. So was he still going to make the trip out or was he going to be uh, like similar to Elijah Page who committed to Notre Dame, ended up not making it out this weekend for his official visit. So what was going to be the deal with Amos? Ended up getting him on campus and just crushed it, obviously. They got the flip. He, he decommitted from Cal and then made the jump to the Trojans, six foot five, 330 pounds, a consensus three-star recruit rated uh, number 517 nationally. The number 61 defensive lineman, but he is slated to play offensive lineman for the Trojans. Number 66 defensive lineman for 
the 24-7 sports rankings. He was committed to Cal as a defensive lineman, but here Josh Henson wants him for the offensive line. He seems to love to to pull. He loves to hit people. And Gerard, he's got a really fun tape. And uh, for any fans listening, I would go recommend go watching his tape. I do not know what the competition like is at Santa Clara High School and sort of that competition, that division. It doesn't look like it's the highest, but you see what you want to see on tape when you have a, a guy this size going against you know guys who are much smaller than him. He's just a wrecking ball out there. He is laying dudes out left and right. He's got good eyes in the backfield, and he's just crushing dudes at 330 pounds, which is what you want to see for these lineman highlights. Gerard, I, I figured you like this pickup because you've mentioned him several times as you got to go find those bodies, and Sean Nua went ahead and found this body for the offensive line. Yeah, I credit to Sean Nua of getting him on campus after that Cal commitment. You know, he kind of felt like he committed to Cal and it was kind of like, you know, marrying the first girl he kissed. And yeah. you know, Cal did a good job of selling him on playing nose tackle. And that's really where he kind of wants to play. You know, he wants to play defensive line. He's always looked at himself as a defensive lineman. And they've kind of got a perfect setup for him. I mean, that's a very good defense where you actually use the nose tackle in a 3-4, and they play a lot of uh, two-gap with that defense. So he tends to be a guy that, you know, profile-wise, a bit of a body catcher as a defensive lineman, uh, takes up a lot of space, not necessarily a guy that's going to be a a huge pass rusher for you, but that's not how the Cal defense is really set up. And so when you transition over to USC, yeah, USC looking at him more as an offensive lineman, we haven't been able to talk to him post-visit to, to kind of gain an idea as to what their vision is with him specifically at this point. But he was taking all those pictures with the offensive line group, and you kind of got the sense that, you know, he's probably going to be with the offensive line group. Uh, he was also wearing number five, though. So we take that with a grain of salt. We, we don't think Reggie Bush's number five is coming out of retirement. You never know. You never know. But uh, but uh, in terms of him as a big body, yes, like you said, he's a guy that uh, is, uh, you know, 6'5", 330. Uh, probably not that big, though, because we see him next to uh, Francis uh, Mauiagoa, and he's, he's not quite as big as Francis. So I think he's probably closer to being more of a 6'3", of 6'4". A six, six, uh, but he carries that weight well, and he's very athletic. He's got very nimble feet, and I think he's a, a good interior uh, offensive lineman for USC potentially maybe he loses a little weight he does have athleticism so it's possible he could play offensive tackle as well we're just going to kind of see he's, he's a lineman he's a big body and you know I don't mind over recruiting those guys I know that's uh, sort of a little taboo for some coaches they don't like to over recruit interior offensive linemen specifically and we talked about this in the past it's just you can't necessarily move those guys anywhere you know but um, I think you know ultimately for your team to have good interior linemen is big just from a scout team standpoint and over the course of time developing those guys and have them ready by their junior senior years that's not such a bad thing you know and and it's it's going to be harder and harder with the transfer portal these days to have four star and five star guys sitting on your bench so you're going to have to recruit some guys that are going to be three star guys and develop those guys over time and hope that you know their egos and what have you don't get the best of them and they transfer anyways. So I think this is a great pickup for USC. And, um, you know, I could see him 
potentially, you know, even maybe getting a look at the defensive line as well. I, I don't think the defense quite fits him. Um, I think that you want a quicker upfield one gap type pass rushers and Alex Grinch's defense. I think that's a big difference between the defense that USC has and what Cal has been doing and what Cal did even um, in, in previous years and, and what Justin Wilcox did at USC. We've seen that defense up close. I, I, you know, we know what Justin Wilcox defense is about and what they do. And I didn't think it was a very good fit for USC, to be honest with you. Um, I did just didn't think that a two gap defense at USC was what you wanted with the athletes that you're able to recruit. You're able to recruit athletes that can get upfield, that can be pass rushers, that can be disruptive in the defensive backfield. <clears throat> and you want your, your linebackers really finishing up plays more than you want them to be the guys that are, uh, that are, that are filling the gaps and, and what have you. So um, it's a different philosophy. It's a different scheme that USC has now. And you're going to see more speed from the linebackers because you want them to clean up those plays and you want uh, the, the defensive line to be just disruptive. You know, you want them to be able to go and make plays in, in, in the uh, in the offensive backfield. But if they don't actually make the tackle, that's where your linebackers swoop in and finish off the play. So um, I think with uh, Talele, definitely his profile and his attributes and his abilities, I do think he fits better on the offensive line for USC. And before Cade had popped on his commitment today, Talele had been the third consecutive lineman that USC had picked up following Grant Bucky on the defensive side. And then Tobias Raymond, who got things going for this month. That's three consecutive offensive uh, linemen, excuse me, that they had picked up. And, you know, at, that this has been a very popular uh, talk, talking point on the P over the last several months and then going into this month is where's the beef? And Gerard, we finally have some beef. You got three big guys right now for the class. You can kind of build the foundation. And I know I've gotten a lot of questions about this on social media. And I talked about it on the Parasol Podcast with Ryan in terms of, oh, these guys are only three stars. When are the four and five stars coming? Well, I've mentioned this several times. The four and five star offensive linemen, these those blue chip guys, they take a little bit longer with their process. They've got Every offer under the sun to consider, they're going to usually take all their visits because top-end offensive linemen are at a premium. So those guys take a little bit longer on the process. They want to hear every offer on the table. They get those free trips out of the way. And Gerard, you mentioned this several times. These are your mortar guys, and they help build the foundation of a class, especially uh, large lineman classes when you have to, to bring in multiple guys to help fill out the depth and the ranks. Yeah, certainly. I, and I, I realize, yeah, people are waiting for the big five stars to, to make their move. And, and they will. You know, some of these guys are going to commit over the summer and we're going to have to see mm -hmm. how that all shakes out. But uh, you definitely have to build a bit of a foundation for the class. You have to find those specialty players along with the guys that you feel are just going to be good players for you that are going to contribute. Not every guy is going to be all conference. Not every guy is going to be an All-American in the first round pick. Uh, you do have to have some of those really good players that come in and are just good team players. And I think, um, you know, USC is is definitely doing a little bit of both. This big weekend where you have 20-odd guys come in, we talked about it last week, is sort of a team within a team. You know, this was a weekend where they wanted to use the momentum of other recruitments to maybe influence the recruitments of players that were a little more on the fence and sort of get everybody caught up in the wave, if you will, the golden hour. And so golden I, I think, hour. think they did a good job of that. And, um, you know, Brandon Huffman made an interesting point 
on the Best of the West podcast with Blair and Gulo uh, earlier in the week where they were talking about the big visit and, and what USC was trying to do. And he was talking a little bit about, you know, you, you have these recruits that are on campus and they're looking around and they're seeing all these top guys and they're having such a good time. And it sort of puts pressure on some of those guys that are the three stars and maybe the low four stars that see these five star guys having such a good time. And they're like, man, these guys are about to jump on this train and this train is moving kind of fast. I need to commit now. And it creates a sense of urgency with some of those guys that, you know, maybe are are a little more on the fence uh, that uh, you want to get committed now and get it done and move on. And so I I think, you know, to some extent it, it does create that. Um, I also think that there is that momentum that's built when you get guys together. And, you know, we saw that with the offensive line crew where they're really trying to work hard on Francis Goa, the five-star to IMG, uh, lived out here in San Bernardino for a while, originally from Samoa. And, and, you know, they tried to surround him with some polys and some guys that he could connect with. And those guys all had a great time. I mean, Amos Talalele, uh, obviously he's already committed. Uh, we think that uh, Alani Noah from Sacramento Grant High School is is probably in line to also commit to USC. Uh, Michael Benuelos is another guy that had a really good time at USC, a guy that was sort of out there a little bit, but I think USC ruled him in, and he's going to take that official visit to Oregon this weekend and then probably make a decision, and people feel like it's between Oregon and USC. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's definitely some of that momentum that they're trying to build with some of these players uh, as well. And you got to start, you know, somewhere. And, uh, they, you know, they started with the five stars. It kind of was a little backwards where they, they started with Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon and Zachary Branch. I mean, you had three five stars commit right out of the gates, first ones in the class. And so uh, now you're sort of kind of getting back into uh, filling out the class a little bit more as you get out of summer. Uh, but there's going to be some guys that are out there that are still going to be the guys that get them to that top five, top three class. And they're going to be out there and they're probably going to make decisions here in July and maybe August. Speaking of being out there, that's a good transition to Emoji Watch, uh, Gerard's favorite part of the show. There There are officially five emojis that went out this week. I believe three were on Sunday when visits were basically wrapping up after the weekend, which got everyone excited. I think there was one later that day or it came in on Monday and then there was one that came out yesterday evening, I believe. So five there. You have two that are accounted for in Amos Talalele. And then I, I butchered that. Talalele. Sorry. Let's have a little more. <laughs> let's have a little crisper. Let's have a little crisper. This is a high-end podcast now. We ha- we can't be sloppy. So Amos Talalele and then Kate Eldridge today. So there's three unaccounted for emojis, uh, Gerard. I know you wanted – us to kind of maybe take some guesses or give our best estimation as to who those remaining three are. I wanted the fans. You, you, well, you <laughs> mentioned it. You brought it up, my man. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm usually not uh, real big on who's the next commit. Who's the next commit? You know, 20 years doing this. It'll be 20 years next January. So wow. I, I've been wow, saying hold on, hold on. Years. I've been saying 20 years. For the last like three years, because just rounding up, but it's actually going to be 20 years next January. So I think in all that time, if there's one thing that uh, has not increased is the interest in who's going to commit next, because it's just it's going to happen. You know, eventually the next commit will come. It'll be that guy. And then we see who he is and how he uh, impacts the team uh, as we currently see it and the class as we currently see it. But uh, in terms of those emojis, um, yeah, there's there's some guys out there that I think uh, are 
are definitely feeling USC a lot. And I could see potentially making, uh, you know, some, some, some nods and some winks probably over the weekend. I mean, if I had to guess, I, mean, I think Walker Lines is probably part of that group. We already talked about Alani Noah um, and, and probably Trey Wilson, I think would be another guy that is a potential guy. Um, we'll talk about that, I guess, as we go through all the visitors mm-hmm. that were on campus um, and, and maybe, you know, why uh, we think that. But, um, you know, I think there's going to be more than that as well. I think that you're going to see a consistent flow of emojis coming out of the official site and from Lincoln Riley over the next couple of weeks, over the next few weeks, probably. And, um, you know, obviously the fan base is hoping it leads up to uh, some big commitments from guys like uh, Mateo Angulale and Francis uh, Maoyagoa. Gerard, if you accept the position as my lead recruiting personnel guy at Trevino Tech, we would put out crab emojis every time there's a commitment. What do you think about that? I think that's a bad idea because then you would have a lot of crabs. Damn, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Well, let's move off from that uh, faux pas of having crabs to what a lot of people are excited to listen to this podcast for, which would be the recap of all the visitors that made it on campus and the vibes and the feelings and the quotes and the nuggets that we got from just this weekend and what they did and all that kind of stuff because there was a lot of kids on campus, as we know, and there was a lot of kids and there were even – people that didn't make it onto campus. So I think we just kind of want to run through those really quickly who did not end up making it uh, for this week. Offensive tackle Elijah Page, which was probably a, a duh one because he had committed Notre Dame. And there was talk that he was going to not make his trip out, shut down that recruitment. Uh, Malachi Crawford, the local uh, cornerback uh, out of Pacifica, he did not make it out there. I talked with him. He His mother was not able to make the trip out. Uh, for the official visit, she had to go somewhere, and he really wanted his mother to be on the visit. So, you know, that makes sense. He's just going to push it back uh, to in-season, which which makes sense. He's a local kid, so it's going to be a lot easier from him than if he was in, you know, Texas or Florida or whatever. So that makes sense. Uh, Terrence Green, the Texas defensive lineman, he did not make it out on the trip. He actually took an official visit to Texas this weekend. Uh, safety out of St. Louis, Christian Gray, he did not make it out. He's been to campus several times for unofficial visits, but he did not end up making out for the official this weekend or this past weekend. And then Malik Bryant, the IMG edge rusher, he, there's been talk about him coming out. There was talk about him coming out for a visit, but he ended up going somewhere much nicer in the university of Maryland uh, for his official visit. And Gerard, <laughs> you sound like you, uh, you're laughing over there. No, I, because, because people <laughs> might not know that you went to Maryland and they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> They're are they're already they're already deleting the angry DM they were. <laughs> they're already they're backspacing like okay two, okay. two star rating on the on right. the two star podcast. Yes, that reminds us. You can give us a five star rating on Apple. That would really appreciate. I think we have some. I might pull them up later because I forgot to do them at the top of the show. But thank you for those who did leave us uh, podcast reviews. I'll get those read on the show at some point, maybe at the end here if we have enough time. But those are the core guys that did not end up making it. On the trip, and as, as I pointed out with like Malachi and Elijah Page, these guys don't make it out for various reasons, but we don't want to spend too much time on those guys we want to talk about, mainly the guys that did make it out. And last week, we did put them into sort of groups, uh, groupings. We had the commits, we had the lead pack, the guys you want to close with, you had the traction guys, and then you had what we deemed the rest. 
uh, we left them up there and then we're kind of going to rearrange them into uh, different groupings or, or see who moves up or who moves down or, or, or what have you. So, Gerard, where do you want to start? Well, all of the commits made it in that were scheduled to make it in. So uh, that was good. I mean, we we kind of took a stab in the dark with Marion Peterson because he's been a bit of a ghost uh, trying to get a hold of and confirm things with. But we see from proof. We have proof of life from. Uh, he does exist. He does exist. Yeah, he does exist. And he was at USC and he had uh, what looks to be a great time uh, with his counterpart, Quentin Joyner, who you actually spoke a little bit to Quentin Joyner's dad uh, about that. So. Um, I don't know. Did he have anything interesting to say about, uh, you know, spending time with the other running back commit? Quinn is sort of less, is not as much of a ghost as a Marion, but he is hard to get a hold of. So Coach Kyle McDonald decided to get two really good running backs who are also very ghost-like, and they do not really do media interviews like that. But I did, I was able to get a hold of Quinn Joyner, um, you know, had a lot of great things to say about USC. He kind of gave me some insight into why he committed initially. You know, he liked the weather. He felt like the 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 coaching staff, they made him feel like family. And his big thing for this visit, obviously, he was a commit going into this visit. Uh, he just wanted to feel, you know, welcomed by the current team and kind of build the relationships. He was hosted by Austin Jones. They kind of have similar body types, so that's a good uh, matchup for him to be hosted by. He really enjoyed the bowling aspect. He liked bonding with all the guys. And a big part of that visit was, you know, getting to know Marion, you know, two Texas kids. He said they hung out mostly the entire weekend. They vibe really well together. So a good bonding for the two future backfield guys. And I guess the other two uh, nuggets of info there is that he's on schedule to be an early enrollee, which is good. And at this time, he is shutting down his recruitment. He does not plan on taking any more visits to any other school. So I think those are two, those are two really good uh, pieces of information for USC fans to hear. Yeah, I mean, out of that group, the only one that I know of that's going to continue to take visits was Zechariah Branch. I don't mm-hmm. think any of the other uh, commits had talked about taking official visits to any other schools. Makai Lemon said he was shutting it down. Malachi Nelson says he's not taking any more visits. Braxton um, Myers says he's not taking any more visits uh, as of right now. And, and Braxton Myers has just put a story up on him, talked a little bit about recruiting some of the Texas guys. And it was kind of interesting him talking about his dad actually uh, helping recruit uh, some of the players that were there as well. His dad played at Alabama in 10 years in the NFL as a defensive lineman. So, so he uh, knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. And uh, so he had some uh, gems of wisdom. Uh, helping USC recruit last weekend. You could talk a little or uh, read up on that uh, with the story that we just put up. And and then, you know, we transitioned into the sort of lead pack, the guys that USC was trying to close with, at least the guys in our estimation uh, USC was trying to close with. And it was an impressive group because, you know, this is where you had a couple five stars in there and a couple of the high four stars, uh, guys like Francis Malagoa, uh, Mateo Ngulele, uh, Lucas Simmons. I mean, that's, three of the really top guys on the list uh, when you're talking about need uh, for linemen. And then obviously you have Deuce Robinson there. And so, I don't know, do you want to go through these guys individually or do you just want to kind of talk about them in general? Yeah. I mean, we could just run through them individually. I think that's what the people want. The people, the peristyle, the casuals, that's what they want, Gerard. 
Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not get the hairstyle confused with the filthy casuals now, all right? I, I said it was two, sep- I said it was two separate groups. Yeah, you mean, let's, let's make that distinction, okay? All right? We, we appreciate the casuals listening, all right? We're trying to bring them into the brotherhood here, or sisterhood, or whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, we have to acknowledge the hairstyle, the veterans, the people that really care about USC football, right? Okay? Right. Fair okay. enough. Listen, all right, so... Francis Malagoa, what do we know about him? We know that he had a really good trip. We know that he's still looking at various schools. One of the things that came up, and, and you actually reported this in the War Room before. And, I mean, I don't want to spill too much War Room tea here, but uh, you know, Tennessee is maybe a bigger player here than, than people are, are giving them credit for. Uh, we thought you know Alabama may be the lead school for him, but sounds like you know, Tennessee is, is going to get that last visit, and Tennessee is Definitely recruiting him pretty hard. But USC, they did everything they possibly could to mm-hmm. recruit Francis Malagoa this this weekend uh, and, and have probably up until this point. And I think that there's not going to be a lot of blind spots in his recruitment. You know, it's going to go how it's going to go. If they're able to land him, they're going to land him. But I don't think with Francis and Matteo Ungulale, you're going to see any sort of Josh Connerly you know, last minute visits or something that's done by another school where it's like, oh my gosh, we didn't see that coming. I think with Sean Nua, uh, the primary on both of those players, I think you're going to be at the table and you're going to know exactly what's what, who's offering what. And then it's just going to be a matter of, you know, is USC going to be able to, to, to beat that? Um, And so uh, I think with uh, Francis Margola, they're right there. They're, they're toe to toe. And we just kind of have to see. He took his official visit to Miami directly from USC. And this weekend he's going to be at Tennessee. And then at some point in July, he's going to make that decision. So uh, he was probably the biggest fish uh, among some big fish on campus. But he was probably the guy. And USC went all out to recruit him. Um, Lucas Simmons was a little more quiet uh, from what I understand, just a little more uh, reserved. And, and, And part of that, I think, is, you know, his mom had just flown in from Sweden. Now, his mom was supposed to fly in from Sweden for the Florida official visit, which happened the week before. But uh, reading the update and talking to uh, Andrew Ivins, who spoke to Lucas uh, after the visit, um, the first official visit that his mom has ever been on, and the first college visit, period, was at USC. And that's so, huge. And that's that's huge. huge, but it's it's also overwhelming. I mean, every, right, right. That was that was not a, a regular, normal official visit. I mean, I think every one of those players we talked to afterwards. The word amazing, I don't think there was one player that didn't say the word amazing probably at least five times in their interview, correct? Right. That yeah. it, was the, it was the theme of every kid that we talked to. So, you know, his word uh, coming out of the interview was mind-blowing. Um, and uh, it certainly was a lot for his folks to uh, uh, kind of absorb and take in. And I think just, you know, he wanted to hang out with his family probably a lot more than the other kids. The other kids probably wanted to get away from their families because they're around their families all the right. time. But he had not seen his mom and uh, his dad for a while. And I think that, you know, they wanted to just kind of take everything in and go about it uh, in a very sort of professional way. He really likes USC. Uh, Tennessee is a school that's also involved with him as well. And he probably is the most comfortable with Florida State because he's been there the most. And Florida State is going to be his official visit this weekend. So academically, uh, Florida and and USC truly are the outliers for him. Um, But it sounds like, you know, Tennessee – Florida State might have done a better job kind of recruiting him. Um, 
you know, right now, all signs, at least the circumstantial evidence points to USC being his leader. Uh, but we'll just kind of have to kind of wait and see uh, how that shakes out. Um, and we talked a little bit about Mateo Ungalale. His dad loves USC. He was on the visit before Mateo even got to the visit. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they spent a lot of time uh, at USC talking with Sean Nua, going over um, the various different aspects of the defense. I think with him and some of the other defensive players, for sure, the question mark, and this is probably negative recruiting that's, you know, sort of creeping in here. It's what's the defense going to do? You know, we know everything about Lincoln Riley and the offenses that he had at Oklahoma, but the defenses just were not that good. I've, I've had a couple recruits sort of low key off record. Talk about that a little bit. There are questions about, you know, how is this defense really going to fit me? And how is it at developing NFL talent as opposed to some of these other schools I'm looking at? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's being harped on. Certainly it's being harped on by Oregon, probably being harped on by Alabama as well. It's like, hey, yeah, you know, I understand if you want to go there and your quarterback, your receiver, but why would you want to go there if you're a defensive lineman or, or linebacker sort of thing? And I think that's what some of these kids are getting from some of these other schools. I'm sure Mateo Ngulele is going to get a lot of that this weekend. He's going to visit Oregon. So we're going to see how, you know, he comes out of that visit as opposed to his Ohio State visits and his USC visits. And uh, I think USC's, again, done everything they can do. And one of those things is stay on top of all the different angles and all the different people involved in his recruitment and making sure that they're not blindsided like they were with Josh Connerly. I just don't think that's going to happen. And uh, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that he's going to go to USC, but I think it just puts them in a a better position read-wise. And I think that's very important um, in the recruiting process. Well, I think it's just very – and just looking at it also, you know, I I know we've talked about this on the podcast before. If we look at it sort of logically, which is obviously something that can get us in trouble when we look at recruiting, but it's pretty hard to beat the doctor – the Dr. Dre school of like music for when it comes to a guy like Mateo, who is an aspiring uh, music producer, you know, cause that's like what every photo he was posting was at the Dr. Dre Jimmy Iovine school. So definitely I know they were hitting that super hard with him in terms of, you know, being something that's stuck in his mind when he goes to a place like Oregon or Ohio state, when they, when they don't have sort of, the the facilities like that to compete with with the USC in, in that regard. Yeah, exactly. And I do think that, you know, one of the main differences between he and his brother, there's a few different differences between two. I think they're different people. And I think they have a different relationship uh, with uh, their, their family and whether they want to get away from school or stay home from school. But also I think with DJ, you know, football, was the catalyst for everything he wanted to do. Whereas I think Mateo is looking at school a, it's, a it's little a vehicle. more. Football's the vehicle. Yeah. He's a little more well-rounded and, and, and probably is those factors outside of football are bigger for him than they were for DJ. So I think that definitely does uh, work well for USC. And I think it also works well though, that, you know, his position coach, uh, he has a really great relationship with and, while you can say, well, you know, Lincoln Riley's defenses at Oklahoma weren't that good vis-a-vis Alex Grinch's defenses uh, at Oklahoma weren't that good. And, and I'm not making that statement. That's not me talking. I'm, 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 again, talking about some of the things that I think these kids are hearing, uh, judging from, you know, the feedback that I've gotten. 
I think with Mateo, the fact is Sean knew was going to be your coach and Sean knew was at Michigan. <laughs> Sean knew had nothing to do with that. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's a tough, it's a tougher sell for schools when it comes to that. Um, you know, when you're talking about other positions, maybe you could sell that, but I think, uh, with his relationship with Sean Nua and his family's relationship with Sean Nua, it's, it's going to be tough for other schools to, to be able to, to break that down and get around that. And uh, obviously NIL is, you know, the wild card in all this. And, and that was the wild card with Sean Connerly, Sean Connerly, got Josh Connerly, not Sean <laughs> Connerly, <laughs> not 007, a shake and not stirred, but Josh Connerly, uh, who, uh, you know, the offensive lineman, who a lot of people thought was going to USC. I mean, USC, I think, thought he was going to USC up until, you know, he didn't go to USC and he picked Oregon. Uh, but there was, you know, some some stuff, I think, that went on there that uh, they were just not uh, privy to. And I, I don't think that's going to happen with Mateo Ungulale. Um, So I think with those guys, you know, I, I think USC is in, in a very good place. Um, I think they're a very good place with Deuce Robinson, the uh, 6'5", yeah. 25 tight end from, from Phoenix. Plays at uh, Pinnacle High School, which is the same high school that uh, Radler went to, uh, whose first name is escaping me, but the quarterback. Spencer. Spencer. Spencer Radler, yeah, who went to OU and then transferred out after he was beat out by Caleb Williams. Um, I think, uh, you know, got some winks and nods about uh, Deuce Robinson uh, this weekend. Uh, but we know Deuce Robinson's probably not going to make any commitments or announce any commitments, I should say, uh, for the next probably month. Uh, he sounds like he may even go into the fall. He's, uh, you know, looking at Georgia, looking at Alabama. There's some connection there with uh, Arch Manning. So his recruitment somewhat impacts um, Deuce Robinson's commitment. If you want to read more on that, we put a war room special up Monday night, Tuesday morning, which got into the more of the details of all of this with Deuce Robinson when it comes to baseball and it comes to Arch Manning, it comes to some of the other schools. But I think USC right now is, is the leader uh, by a good margin and USC did a great job with him. And they also did a great job with his cohort uh, at tight end Walker Lyons. Uh, and as I said, I, I think Walker Lyons is a guy that uh, we could see an announcement here uh, pretty soon. He's going to most likely take his official visit to Stanford this weekend. Um, he's still waiting on admissions for Stanford. Uh, to see if uh, he's actually accepted to Stanford academically. Um, so Stanford's, a, you know, they're a player in here still, but I, I think USC just blew him away uh, from what I understand, checked all the boxes with his family. And uh, he walks into a really good position because the thing is we talked about in prior podcasts for a lot of these top end recruits and, and specifically with the guys from out of state, but, you know, even the guys locally that are top 100 level recruits, there's some faith that has to come along with, the turnaround that Lincoln Riley is trying to execute here at USC. You know, they haven't played any games yet. We really don't know uh, how well USC is going to play next season and, and how the cultural sort of uh, renovation is, is going to take place this season. And so a lot of these visits, you know, USC's like, have faith. You know, this rocket ship is going, as Lincoln Riley said, you know, get on before it takes off because it's going to leave you behind. But that takes a little bit of faith that USC is going to turn this around and uh, they're going to be able to to get back to where I think Trojan fans expect them to be. And that's not winning nine games. That's not winning 10 games. That's winning 11 and 12 games. That's what that's getting to the college football playoff. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's a little bit of faith that has to come into Lincoln Riley being able to do that before he's done it. Uh, Walker Lyons doesn't really have to have faith because 
he won't be, you know, enrolling until 2024 at the earliest. And so he can kind of, you know, sit back and um, go on his mission and he'll come back and he'll be re-recruitable at that right. point. If he decides, uh, you know what, I, it didn't happen for USC, like Lincoln Riley said it was. <laughs> I'm going to go to BYU. I'm going to go to Utah. I'm going to go to Stanford. Uh, he could do that. So um, he's in a pretty good position, I think. And I think uh, he, 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 USC is in a very good position with him. Um, and so that was kind of uh, last week we talked about uh, the guys that we felt were in the lead pack for USC. We already talked about Alani Noah thinking he's going to be one of those guys that was an emoji. Um, then we get into sort of the traction guys, the guys that we knew USC was on the outside looking in, the guys that they were trying to make an impact with, and guys that they may not even get commitments from if they're made during the summer, uh, but still be around, hang around enough that potentially if those guys commit to other schools, USC is uh, still within striking range of being able to maybe flip a commitment. Yeah, and that would be Jalen Hale and obviously the number one linebacker in the country, Anthony Hill. I know a lot of people are, are you know, wanting to know more about sort of Anthony Hill. And from what we can tell, obviously, just like a lot of these high-end guys, the visit was a big success with them. But Hill was an interesting one because it always felt like, you know, schools like Texas A&M, Texas, I believe Georgia is one of those schools up there as well, uh, were sort of – in that lead pack and USC was sort of, you know, looking up at those schools and really needed to, to make a move. And based off his relationships with Lincoln and Alex Grinch, and I believe Brian Odom when they they were at Oklahoma is what really helped get him on campus uh, for this official visit to come. You know, he knows those guys from early in his recruitment, come see what USC is all about. And as we mentioned with the traction guys, it's about showing USC what it's all about and sort of, keeping pace sort of in their minds. So if they don't make a commitment by the the end of the summer and their 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 recruitment's dragging on, you know, you 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 have that visit in the back of their mind. You could be like, and if you start winning, you know, if USC goes and wins 10, 10 games, 11 games, goes to the Pac-12 championship, it's much easier to maybe get back in it for Anthony Hill and maybe, you know, wiggle in there to sneak away with him coming off that uh, amazing official visit you had back in June and you're putting together success on the field. So maybe getting him on campus for unofficial visit during the season, that all helps when you, when you have such a very successful uh, June visit, June official visit. And, you know, as we saw, I I tweeted out some of the, uh, some of the comments that were under Anthony Hill. And it seems like everyone really had a great time in terms of bonding because under every prospects, uh, Twitter fo- or not Twitter, excuse me, Instagram photos. You know, Caleb Williams is, is recruiting guys. Uh, Damani Jackson is recruiting guys. Zachariah Branch is recruiting guys. All these guys in the commits, Amos, Grant Bucky, uh, Braxton Myers, they're all, you know, having this little shorthand recruit teenager lingo uh, talking to each other. And that just kind of shows how, how much they all kind of bonded uh, over this weekend together. And Anthony Hill being one of them. I'm sure Zachariah was on there. He mentioned that Anthony was a guy he wanted to recruit. So I think they made up some ground, but I still think it's sort of one of those things where USC still needs to produce on the field to really, really get into discussion for for a guy like Anthony Hill. Yeah, probably less so for Jalen Hale, just because yeah, yeah. I think there's less to you know find out about the offense. You know the offense has been prolific and – 
the expectation is going to continue to be prolific even next year, especially with these transfers that they have. So I think that's an easier sell for him. Granted, uh, from what I understand, uh, Georgia is a big player for him. A&M is still a big player for him. So I don't know that USC has the lead of any sort. Uh, with Anthony Hill, yeah, I think his visit started out a little sort of, he was uh, not necessarily comfortable, a little quiet, a little reserved from what I understand. And then by the end of the visit, he really sort of opened up and became more comfortable around the other recruits and started to have a really good time. So, yeah, I think there's still definitely work to be done with him. Um, Texas, Oklahoma, A&M, that's sort of like the lead group. And then potentially there, you know, you have Alabama lurking and what have you. And I think, you know, you're going to have to work during the season and maybe he makes a commitment before then. And then you just have to wait and see. Maybe there's some coaching changes. You know, maybe that team doesn't play well. You just never know uh, during the season how things go. I mean, we know that um, having covered USC here with with all the coaching changes and the turnover over the past few years, um, that can change a recruitment really quickly. So you just want to hang around. You just want to stay within striking distance and potentially, you know, that relationship with the coach is enough to get them back on campus. And then, you know, you know, it's it's uh, you kind of just don't know what's going to happen at that point. Um, so that was the traction group. I think that was accurate. Um, the rest is really the exciting group. You know, the rest of the guys right. were like, you know, there's some guys here we feel like could USC could be in the lead group. And then there's other guys. We're just not necessarily sure we're, we, you know, they're, they're, we don't, we haven't heard much from them. We haven't talked to them directly enough to, to have a vibe. And so that's, that's a pretty big group. And I think, you know, that's a much smaller group now uh, coming away from the official visit and having talked to some of these prospects and gotten a better vibe for sort of, you know, where USC sits for them. And so I think out of the gates, Trey Wilson, uh, the 6'4", 230-pound defensive end out of uh, Lake Centennial, which is in Garland, uh, just outside of Dallas, um, he's very high on USC. And uh, I think right now it's USC and Baylor. Uh, we had reported earlier in the week that he had canceled his visit to Baylor and Nebraska, but I had talked to him actually after that. And according to him, he's still going to take that Baylor visit. And so we talked a, a lot just about scheme and sort of where USC saw him. Um, I talked to him just right after the visit briefly and then uh, talked to him a little more this week. And, um, you know, he's a guy that USC sees could put his hand on the ground, could end up being like a five technique, even maybe a three technique if he puts on enough weight. Uh, or if he doesn't, he could be a little bit more of a hybrid. So they were talking about moving him around a lot. And he really likes the defense because it's a it's a shifting moving, stunting defensive line that USC uses. And they use mobility. And, and, and that really connected with him and his game. Um, he had a great conversation with Lincoln Riley even after he came home from the visit and sort of decompressed a bit. Um, but So we'll see if he ends up on campus at Baylor. Um, but I think USC has a pretty good lead right now and is a guy that uh, I, I could see ending up uh, committing to USC over the next few weeks. Um, another guy that uh, I, I talked to after the visit that I really had not spoken with and really didn't have a feel for his recruitment and sort of where his mindset was with schools was Warren Robertson, uh, the uh, safety out of Red Oak, uh, Texas, uh, a guy that um, is actually being re recruited kind of as a cornerback as well for USC. So, you know, they're looking at guys like Braxton Myers and Warren Robertson as not just straight safeties, but potential boundary corners as well. And so, um, he was blown away by the visit. I mean, he really was one of those kids that just didn't have a lot of words to describe everything and just the vibes and uh, the campus. Um, it's hard to really know, like, who USC's best competition is 
uh, in this race. I think it's probably Oklahoma State. Um, there's some other schools that are that are closer to home that are recruiting him. He does have an offer from Alabama, but I don't know that Alabama is really actively pursuing him right now. Um, so I think USC is his lead school. I think that visit did a lot for him. Uh, it really put into um, you know the the reality of going to the school. I think some of these guys, you know, they like the idea of playing at USC and, and oh yeah, Reggie Bush and Matt Leinard and you know, all those guys that uh, won championships before I was even born, <laughs> you know, and, and, but there's a difference between that sort of idea and then seeing yourself actually going to USC as a school. And I think that's what this visit did. It, it actually transitioned them from, Oh, that's that, that, that's, you know, I like the idea of, you know, visiting Los Angeles and, and seeing USC to now envisioning themselves actually playing for the Trojans. And I think he's one of those guys. So um, he definitely grows into that group of lead pack along with Trey Wilson. I think Michael and just, uh, just, I just wanted to add quickly that Greg Biggins actually put in a crystal ball for Warren, just a little crystal mark, crystal ball stock market here for Warren Robinson does now have a crystal ball for USC. So just kind of, further uh, backing up what we're saying here. Yeah. Um, so, and I think uh, offensive lineman uh, from Washington, from Burien, Washington, uh, Michael Benuelos, I think is another guy that you have to put in the lead pack for USC. Uh, we talked about this earlier. I think it's Oregon and USC right now. He's taking his official visit to Oregon this weekend. So we'll see, maybe Oregon's able to undo everything USC did. Um, but uh, I think um, that's, uh, that's one that USC definitely is in top two for. So when we say lead pack, that's kind of what we're looking at, uh, guys that uh, they have to close with. And so it's them versus Oregon, and we'll see how that shakes out. Um, I don't think it's a done deal yet, but uh, there's definitely some feeling like USC, uh, they, they, they gave themselves a good maybe margin going into that. Like they have built themselves a lead, but it's not a lead that Oregon can't uh, overcome. I guess that's the best way to describe it. Uh, Marquis Steele was a guy that we also sort of were like, ah, could be a lead pack guy, but we're not really sure. Um, he's going to take that official visit to Arkansas next weekend. He's got family in Arkansas. They are talking about him playing defensive line. USC is talking about him playing defensive line, though, too. And that's his first love. So he wants to play defensive line. And, you know, even though his relationship really out of the gates was more with Josh Henson, and that sort of indicated that he was looked at as an offensive lineman. After this past weekend, it's more defensive line. So that was more the talk, more exclusive defensive line. That's what he wants to play. He'll be probably interior defensive lineman. And I think USC is among the leaders for him for sure. They might be the leader for him, uh, but it's going to be a question mark as to kind of when, when he wants to decide because he's kind of said both things. He said that, you know, he wants to make a decision before senior year, but then he's taken some unofficial visits to places like Auburn and Georgia. and they could turn into official visits during the season as well. So he's one of those guys that maybe he makes a commitment and then it's like, but I'm still taking my visits. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, And finally of that group of the rest was Micah Tease, uh, the athlete uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, Booker T, Washington, same high school as Gentry Williams, who Dante Williams recruited last year. And they were uh, real close to, to potentially landing Gentry Williams, and then that kind of unraveled as, as Lincoln Riley got involved in that recruitment, and Oklahoma really signed up, sort of put on the full court press on Gentry Williams. Uh, we'll see what happens with Mike Atiz. I, I don't think OU is actually in that lead pack for him right now. Uh, from what I understand, sources kind of indicate that he's looking at some other schools. Notre Dame's in there. 
Uh, A&M is in there, and A&M has not been talked about a whole lot, but I've, I've had a couple sources say that he likes Texas A&M, mainly because Texas A&M is recruiting him as a wide receiver. And like Marquis Steele, or Marquis Steele, he has a favorite position. And even though he's looked at as an athlete by some schools, he wants to play on the offensive side of the ball, just like Marquis Steele wants to play on the defensive side of the ball. USC is recruiting him as a cornerback. So it's kind of interesting. You've got you know Braxton Myers there. You've got Warren Roberson there. And you've got Mike Atis, who are all sort of kind of the similar size, similar builds. And USC's mainly been recruiting him as a defensive back, and even though he wants to play wide receiver. So that could be a bit of a sticking point for him uh, as we go on. And um, he's, you know, entertaining some of these other schools. And we'll see if he takes that official visit to AM. I don't know if he has taken that a visit yet, uh, but that's a school that you know, evidently came up that uh, is, a, is a, a potential dark horse for him. And did we go over Braylon Shelby? No, because that's who you talked to. Oh, that's yes. I, I look, you were going and I thought you maybe skipped him. But yes, I did talk to the Texas edge rusher, uh, Braylon she- Shelby, who just picked up a Texas A&M offer. So a little bit of a boost to his stock. He was one of those guys who was just blown away by the visit. He said he had never really experienced anything like USC had had offered him on that trip. And he was he loved going to Lincoln Riley's house for for, for that luau. He loved hanging out with all the guys. Uh, Zachariah Branch and Malachi Nelson were kind of the two guys he was hanging out with for most of the weekend. He was uh, hosted by Malcolm Epps. Uh, the former Texas uh, Longhorn transfer uh, at tight end. And he, uh, the feeling is that, you know, we've kind of talked about is that this one is actually going to come down to Texas and USC. I believe USC has moved to the top of his list as he has said as much that they're up there at the top. I would, I would venture to say that there are, they are his favorite. I almost put a crystal ball in, but I kind of held off a little bit on that. And he does take his final official visit this weekend to the Longhorns. He saved the, the home state visit for last. So, And then he said he, he probably will make a commitment in July, kind of like uh, Tackett Curtis is expected to make a commitment in July as well. So after this weekend, it's going to be a little bit clearer what where his, uh, his heart lies. But he said distance will not be a factor for him. He wants to go wherever he feels comfortable, and he feels very comfortable at USC. He loves the West Coast. The only thing he said, the bad the bad thing is uh, the gas prices, which, you know, I can't blame him, Gerard. I simply can't. Yeah, the gas prices are horrible, but I doubt he's going to be driving around a whole lot himself these days. Seems like it's more Uber <laughs> for anybody. Uh, and when you're on campus at USC, the great thing about USC is the campus is not that big and it's pretty insular. So you can kind of get everything done. You can go to Trader Joe's, which is right there in University Village. Oh, Target. Come on, man. We it's all there. We need some new sponsors. But uh, so, you know, talking about that, we have uh, really the only two guys that are left in that rest group are Edric Hill, the 6'3", 290-pound defensive tackle, four-star from Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas, uh, and David Peavy, who we have an update coming. We promise it's coming. <laughs> David, we promise. Uh, Greg Biggins has an update with him. Um, that's between really USC and Oregon. And we haven't seen any crystal balls. Greg's talked to him. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. But I think it's fair to say that coming away from the visit, if we were to uh, regroup these visitors, um, I would say Trey Wilson 
uh, Warren Roberson, Brian, uh, Braylon Shelby, Micah Benuelos, Marquis Steele would be in that sort of lead packet, and even David mm-hmm. Peavy, because it sounds like it's going to probably be uh, Oregon and USC. So if we're yeah. talking about these are the group of the players that USC had to get to a point where they are trying to close with these guys, they did it with all those guys. You know, they're in the top two, I think, with every one of those players right now. Absolutely. And that's a very stacked lead pack. And USC handled their business on this visit. And, you know, everyone we talked to, the reviews were out of this world for 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 most of the kids and, well, I guess all the kids. So I think USC came correct. There was no golf cart issues, Gerard. We were not needed to fake <laughs> repair any golf carts. So everything went uh, smoothly, despite the number of kids that were on campus. I talked to to Braylon about this, and he's and I asked him like, "You had twenty plus kids on campus. Everyone has this tight schedule. How did the staff sort of handle, you know, bouncing about bouncing around back and forth? Did everyone feel like they got enough time?" And he was like, "Yeah, the staff was fantastic. They every they were constantly coming around, checking in, getting one on one time." You know, they would they would do it like in between, you know, if they were leaving the hotel to in in the sprinter vans or whatever, they would they would sit down with kids and talk to them. So they were using every opportunity they could to to get in one on one times in which is essentially what you need to do when you have close to two dozen guys uh, walking around on campus. I'm sure they learned a lot from this weekend too. Mm -hmm. you know, for future weekends and sort of how they want to do things and organize things. I mean, this was the first time they've done this at USC. Yeah. And I know they've done it similar things at Oklahoma before and much of the the support staff that organized and were involved with this. And, you know, a lot of credit has to go to them, Annie Hansen and, and her staff and trying to get all these ducks in a row. And but it's still USC, still different school, still different city. Right. You know, getting around Norman is a lot different than getting around downtown Los Angeles. So there's probably a lot of lessons learned from uh, this weekend and going forward and how they want to do things. And, you know, if they have. They want to have as many recruits if they want to have less recruits. I think coming away from this weekend, one of the big things we wanted to know, like, okay, there's the argument for or against a big visit weekend like this. You've got you know, two dozen recruits on campus, including commits that have already committed. Is it better to have, you know, six to eight guys on campus that you can spend more one-on-one time with, or do you get more on having more guys and you have more momentum built and you're able to have these sort of positional uh, recruitments going on where guys that are committed along with guys that are on the fence, along with guys who are maybe a little bit on the outside looking in for all getting together, having photo shoots. You know, we're still going to see this. Now, the, this, the, the verdict is not in. You know, we have to actually see the commitments before we can get to a point and say, well, yes, this was this was a smashing success. I, 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 we can't really say that yet. I mean, it seems that way. Like, I would go on a limb present day right now, and I would say reasonably, realistically, USC could get 10 commitments from guys that were not committed from this weekend. Whoa. Yeah, I could say they could get 10 guys committed. We went through the list beforehand, Chris, you and I, when we were talking about sort of that 50% ratio of, you know, roughly 50% of the guys that are uncommitted to get them committed if you get you know, 50% of the commits, that's a, that's a successful weekend by anybody's, you know, standard. And certainly when you've got two dozen recruits on campus, but that's obviously being supplemented by the guys that are already 
uh, committed as well, but you've got that many guys on campus. Yeah. Half getting committed would be, you know, huge. So I could see that reasonably arguing that they could get got 10 guys uh, from this weekend committed for sure. Um, and they're aiming for more, but, uh, but if it happens or not, we, we cannot say, I mean, this is, this is to be determined. And um, that's ultimately going to be what judges whether this was uh, good or bad. You know, it's how many commitments they actually get from the weekend. If they miss on certain guys, what have you, of course, you know, the naysayer is going to say, that's why you bring a guy in when you only have three or four other guys with him. So you're actually able to spend more time with him and make sure that all the questions are answered and you just you get every bit of face time with him as possible. Before we move on to our break, because we've been talking a lot here, I just wanted to throw out one thing that I didn't get to touch on with uh, Francis Mauioga when we were talking about him and this Lincoln Riley uh, luau that he hosted at his uh, Palos Verdes compound mansion or whatever. It was sort of a Polynesian luau theme, obviously. Do you think that was had anything to do with the fact that Francis was on campus and he being the as I've argued, the number one prospect on their board. Do you think that went into it at all? I mean, to some extent, I'm sure, you know, there was definitely, it wasn't just Francis, you know, on campus who's Polynesian either, you know, it's Alani Noah. Yeah, they've got a few guys there, Alani Noah, et cetera. So yeah, there's something to be said for that. And, you know, that's a scene, you know, that's an event that you can have. Um, I mean, they could have had mariachis there and they could have had a whole Mexican taco weekend type of thing. Oh, then, then we really could have gotten on there. Screw the mechanics. <laughs> we could have been in there, Gerard. We could have been but, in there. And, and you know, I, and I mean, in future in future events, maybe that's that 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 plays even better. You know, maybe, you know, that's like, hey, you know, I'm Polynesian. I've seen this before. You know, you don't know how that's going to play. You, you 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 try to project and you try to kind of like angle it and figure it out. OK. You know, maybe this is something that, you know, reminds them of home and they see that, you know, culturally, there's a lot of people in Southern California that are Polynesian. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's a lot different than it is maybe in places in the South in terms of being around people that are like you or what have you. But we've seen guys like uh, Tui Tagavailoa, you know, go uh, elsewhere and, 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 and Manti Teo, you know, uh, you know, rowing his own canoe to Notre Dame. I, it, it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. So it's, it's really a bit of a coin flip. I, I don't know that that was, you know, the, the entirety of why you would have a luau. Um, I think it would be almost insulting if it was like, that was all, that's what it was all about. I mean, obviously there's other kids there uh, that are African-American and white kids that, you know, don't have anything to do with that. So it, you, you, you want to have it because it's a fit, it's fun. Um, it's, uh, it's something that brings people together. Um, and I think uh, culturally, uh, f- uh, from a, a standpoint, it, it is uh, an event that is about a family and people. And so I think it works really well with that weekend. I think theme-wise, it works really well to bring people together under one umbrella, if you will. Um, so, uh, but, you know, you could, again, you, there's other cultural things that you could do uh, that you could take from other cultures that, that would do the same thing. I mean, again, you could have, you know, like a mariachi tor- sort of thing and, I mean, we know the, the the Mexican food in Los Angeles is amazing, right? So it's like you know, I'm sure in Oklahoma you're gonna have like a big barbecue type of thing, right? You're gonna you're gonna have the barbecues in, in Alabama and all these places. That's become very popular. You know, barbecue in Los Angeles is is for the most part mediocre, right? You got to go really search for decent barbecue. 
in, in California. You don't have to search for decent <laughs> Mexican food in, in Southern California. One of the best Mexican food places I have here out in IE is in the, the 76 station, the gas station here, uh, just down the street. They've got amazing burritos and tacos. It's, it's fantastic. So, you know, you, you've got a lot of uh, options there. And, and that might be just like a, a different take and really interesting in the future because, again, I mean, none of those kids are really Mexican. I don't know how many uh, uh, really good meals they have that are Mexican meals. It might be totally different for them. And, and But then you take that risk also. Maybe they don't like it because it's the stuff that they're not used to as well. So this is all stuff that I'm sure goes on in Annie Hanson's head <laughs> and Lincoln Riley's head. And when they're sitting in these recruiting meetings trying to figure out, you know, what do we feed the kids? Where do we go? Hey, they went to uh, – is it Nubo, Nubu? Nubu. Sure I've never been there before. Nubu. Nubu. Yeah, in 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 uh, Malibu. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not in that tax bracket to go there. Uh, so uh, you know, and that's like uh, sushi. And that's a little bit of a you know, you got to make sure people are are okay with sushi and that they're not allergic to shellfish and all this other kind of stuff. You know, it's great. The scene's great. The ambiance is great. But you do have to dot your eyes and ch- and, and cross your t's. When it comes to feeding people, because, you know, they could be like, well, uh, I, I feel bad about those linemen because those portions are so small. So I've seen for no, there's a lot of portions, though. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it seems like the portions are small, but there are a lot of portions from what I could see from Dave uh, Ungalade's, uh IG account. Uh, Dave was like the man on the scene <laughs> with uh, <laughs> IG and he was taking video of just everything. That's uh, Mateo's dad. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it looked like that they had plenty to eat there. I don't think that they, uh, they, they starved on that one. But, yeah, it's one of those things where you, you kind of have to know um, how that's going to play, um, you know, and, and how it conveys and the type of food that's going to be there. And there's got to be options. You know, it's like, hey, listen, you know, some people just like meat and potatoes. And so you got to have meat and potatoes there, even though it's, uh, you know, maybe a more exotic type of uh, food that you're serving. Look, all I know is I had some parents give rave reviews about that uh, that roasted pig that they had there. So I think they were OK. I think they were OK. And if that uh, that Mexican gas station place you like, ask them if they're interested in sponsoring a, uh, a hot new USC recruiting podcast with a couple of uh, devastatingly handsome uh, Latino guys. You know, there you go. You know how to sell it. I know how to sell it. And with that, we're going to take our break uh, for this podcast. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the last batch of visitors for this week, uh, a little bit of a stay doubted and NIL, and then some USC wide receiver recruiting board updates. And then we'll end with some questions. How about that, Gerard? Devastating. Devastating. And we'll be right back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hurricane, how was that break? Ni hao. Okay. All right, I need to. I need. I, I need to. Uh, I need to flush. That, that having two stars could be a lot better than having one. Okay, so let's move on to obviously a crazy weekend last week with nearly 500 visitors, what have you. Uh, well, actually, what do you think the total number was, including parents and everyone? Would you say? Oh, I have no. Would you say? No would you say 150? No, that's too much. I'm bad at math. That's I have too no much. idea. I just I thought you would take a guess. I mean, it's it's yeah. There was there's. I mean, because now you can bring two people with you, and so that you know. Well, the like the the Walker Lion Clan was like nine deep. So, yeah. So well, I I would say close to probably close to seventy five. I don't know. I'm not going to spend time on this. I thought it would be a, a a more obvious answer, but this week after. A billion people were on campus, a much quieter weekend uh, with just a couple of visitors, one being on campus right now, that being a three-star offensive center uh, prospect out of Washington, Landon Hatchett. He was a target for Lincoln Riley when he was at Oklahoma, and he was a target for Josh Henson when he was at Texas A&M. So that Venn diagram of recruitment lands him here at USC. They offered him uh, during a spring unofficial visit. Him and his family came down, got him back on campus for an official visit this weekend. Uh, interesting prospect. You know, this is a guy I definitely could see in the class, him being a guy who, who who was recruited by both Riley and Henson at the respective schools. So we'll probably have an update uh, through Brandon Huffman uh, in a couple of days here, wrapping up his visit. But uh, another big lineman on campus. Yeah, and you look at him and you look at Micah Benuelos and you see, okay, it's probably either or. You know, you're probably mm-hmm. not taking both of those guys. They both look like center prospects. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because Benuelos is up at Oregon this weekend and Hatchet is at USC. And it sounds like it's maybe going to come down to Washington and USC for Hatchet. And so we're just going to have to see how that shakes out here. You know, USC's got their chance now. And um, I believe he already officially visited Washington. And so this is kind of, uh, you know, his last visit. And, um, it might be just a matter of, you know, who wants to commit first. Right. Who's going to beat it to the punch? Uh, either of those guys, you know, USC does need some more center prospects. You have Brett Nealon, who is expected this is his last season. And then Justin Dietrich, who's up there as a redshirt junior, probably could shift into uh, the center spot going into next season if he if he sticks around. And then Andrew Millick, who was recruited as an offensive tackle has been the third string center. So I think they need more uh, specialized center guys. And that's what you kind of have here with with Hatchet, who is a center prospect in the rankings, and then Buenelos, who, you know, has that mold. So I think those are it's it's important to get sort of a, a center for this group. And then the other uh, visitor who is expected to be on this campus this weekend, not on campus right now like Landon is, uh, is the three star Shamanad linebacker Isaiah Chisholm, who is coming off his Oregon visit, and he's going to wrap things up. I believe this will be his final official visit of the weekend or of the month, sorry. And he will make a commitment in July or possibly August. So a very a much slower, uh, 
official visitor weekend this week, Gerard? Uh, of the visitors that we know of. I mean, that we know of, yes, we must say that we know of. A few others, actually. Um, to interject, uh, just to correct myself here, for Landon Hatchett, um, he actually has Washington this weekend. So he's taking this midweek uh, visit to USC, and it's Washington. For some reason, I thought it was Michigan that was next weekend, but it's Washington is his final official visit. So Washington is said to be the leader. Um, he's already visited Michigan, already visited Oregon, already visited Texas A&M, uh, and now he's at USC right now, and then he's going to finish it up with Washington. So uh, going to be interesting to see how that goes down uh, with uh, with Hatchet and Benuelos, who kind of look like they're basically vying for the same spot uh, being recruited by USC. And with Chisholm, yep, he's not really uh, been recruited much outside the Pac-12. He's really a Pac-12 guy. Uh, was looking at Oregon State. Uh, they were kind of his leader when USC offered a scholarship. And I think with USC, it's just kind of a feeling around sort of with uh, Tackett Curtis, obviously. Um, they know that uh, he's going to be at Ohio State, uh, I think, this weekend. And um, Ohio State's a, obviously a big-time player for him. We felt like Ohio State was the leader going into his official visit at USC. We haven't really heard much uh, from, I believe, it's his Wisconsin visit this past weekend. Correct, Chris? He did not take a visit this weekend. He didn't take a visit. Okay. He, when he, he, was, when he, he, he took uh, Wisconsin – Going into the week before USC, USC was off weekend this, and then he was going to finish with uh, Ohio State this weekend. Okay, okay, yeah. So I, yeah. I think, you know, that's USC sort of uh, – you got to make sure that you have some options there. You know, you don't know what's going to happen with Tackett Curtis. And, um, you know, Isaiah Chisholm is another one of those kind of a little, a little smaller, not a big 6'3", 235-pound linebacker. He's a, a little smaller but a little quicker type of linebacker. And, um, you know, getting him on campus, I think it's just one of those things where you just got to have some good options and make sure that, you know, you don't put all your eggs into one basket. I think that's what that's about. And potentially they could have some more uh, official visitors. We know that uh, I don't want to skip ahead too much, but, you know, we know Brandon Enos is committed to Ohio State. And uh, so, you know, USC is going to continue to look at that wide receiver position, evaluate that A new scholarship offer just went out to Gainesville three star wide receiver Jaron Hamilton of the 2023 class. Uh, Hamilton's kind of blown up here in the past couple of months where, you know, he's got offers from Alabama, got offers from Michigan. Um, he's got a few schools that are on him. And so maybe USC tries to make a kind of last minute pitch to try to get him on campus this weekend. Um, you do have one more week in July, very late July, where potentially you could bring in visitors. And I know there's a couple guys that have official visits that are scheduled for that last week of July, which is a tough week to come in for an official visit only because sometimes you're already in camp for your high school football teams. Um, so, you know, it depends, I guess, on the state and sort of, if you have time off, some, you know, states require you to have like a week off or something. Um, but uh, I don't know if that comes in July. That usually comes a little later in August, uh, but uh, we'll see if that, you know, if the USC has something, they've had something, the past few years outside of obviously the COVID shutdown uh, where they had like a small barbecue event. And it was really just like a dozen players, 15 players that they brought down just to hang out and to, to basically take an unofficial visit at USC. So we'll see if, you know, there maybe there's a, there's a week there they try to use for official visits, or like I said, they try to squeeze some guys in here last minute. They're going to have a few camps going on this weekend. So I don't know. They're going to have like a lot of time to have a bunch of visitors. Uh, we saw during that June 10th, 
uh, weekend, they did have the elite camp on a Saturday. So the coaches were sort of scrambling back and forth. You've got Tackett Curtis and uh, Grant Bucky and uh, Tobias Raymond all in town while you're actually having uh, a camp at the same time. So uh, that was one of those things where uh, I don't know how much uh, the coaches appreciated that. Uh, maybe it went off fine. It wasn't a big deal. Um, but uh, it's one of those things where, you know, you definitely got to juggle different events going on. Uh, and of course, obviously this past weekend with no events going on, they were juggling a lot too. So uh, it's just a, uh, a very busy month for the coaching staff and the football staff at USC. Yeah, I could not imagine trying to have camps last weekend. That would have been suicide. Absolutely. And you said you didn't want to skip too much, but you literally jumped the topic, Gerard. Um, but you you put on here, we wanted to talk about uh, Stay Doubted and the Boulevard, uh, USC's new NIL initiative. We didn't have time to talk about it last week. I believe it was announced while we were going into recording and we were like, we're here prepared to kind of talk about this, but this was something you wanted to touch on uh, for this week's show. Yeah, it was just something that I thought we would acknowledge and mention. Uh, it is a facet within the recruiting process for USC to some extent. We still don't know exactly how it pertains to recruits. I mean, we know how it pertains to current players but how it actually retains to recruits is still a bit vague only because this is not a collective USC has mm -hmm. stated flat out that it's not a collective. Um, it's really more of a marketing company and an agency, which has a, subsidi a, a subsidiary, which is now called Boulevard, which Boulevard itself was its, I believe its own company. Um, I thought at first that Boulevard was just a wing of the university that they were using to educate and try to promote athletes and their brands. And so is Boulevard no longer a thing? The original Boulevard is, is is still a thing, but I and I don't know the financials of it. I don't know if it was bought by Stay Doubted, but it's now a subsidiary of Stay Doubted. So it's basically a part of Stay Doubted. So Stay Doubted is the you know the marketing company. They create digital content, so on and so forth. Boulevard is just a USC sort of branch of that. Now. You know, the, there's obviously a big difference between that and the collective and the collective being run by donors. You know, they're run by boosters. And so it's basically the money is running uh, whatever shell company or whatever the, the, the collective is called. And they are in direct contact with either players or recruits, which, you know, the legality of that, again, has been questioned whether that's that's really, you know, how the NCAA has written it out. And there's even been some statements to say that, you know, the NCAA does not want boosters and donors dealing with recruits or paying recruits. That's inducement. And you can't do that. So there's a lot of sort of cloudy, vague uh, written language there. But with the state doubted Boulevard uh, brand, um, this is not being run by donors. Uh, instead, they are giving a platform to buy merchandise. And that money then goes to the athletes. So there's a gap there. You know, there's a, there's definitely a big gap there. And there's a lot of questions as to NIL arrangements and how that deals with recruits as opposed to current players. Because, you know, who knows who gets how much money and how important who is who when technically the coaching staff is not supposed to be able to talk about recruiting with non-USC employees. Uh, legally, you can't just call up State Outed or Boulevard when they are not a part of the university and say, hey, 
here's our top guy. This is who we like the best. This guy, pay him more than this guy or whatever, because that's just the, 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 the down and dirty of it when it comes to NIL, NIL and um, the payment of recruits. And, 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 you know, with the collectives, again, the NCAA doesn't like the collectives and they don't like that. And I think this is why USC is staying away from that, uh, that, that, that label, because you're talking about people that want kids to go to a specific school for money. Okay. That, that just, just it, you know, stay out is a company that has a lot of different partnerships with a lot of different companies. There's no just like single connection to USC. Stay out. It does not exist because of USC, but collectives only exist because of that university and that university's agenda and motives. So, you know, the people within that collective that are pulling that money together for whether it be a current player to, to stay at that school uh, or, or to get a transfer or it's a, an actual recruit out of high school, if state laws allow it, um, that money is going to be there to induce that player to go to that specific school. They're not pulling that money to say, hey, we just have a bunch of money for you and we think you're a great player and we want to endorse you to do this thing. And there's no sort of, but you got to go to this school, right? I mean, that that's the whole part of it with the collective. So that's what USC is staying away from. Um, state out, it is, like I said, a company that, um, in itself doesn't have any uh, actual affiliation with USC. Uh, it has a deal with USC basically to uh, represent and to, I guess, use its logos and what have you um, and to be uh, a platform to sell merchandise that boosters and fans can buy. And then that money goes to, uh, uh, to, to, to whatever. I, I, again, the, the back end of that, I, I don't know exactly how that goes. Uh, we have to try to investigate more as to, you know, uh, how, how, you know, you buy a bunch of merchandise. Well, how do you know where that money goes? And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of questions there with that. And so it's not a collective. It's just, it's just not a collective. Uh, but it is something. And, um, you know, USC's, I think you're doing a good job trying to work within the lines. You know, we heard about the NCAA starting to do some investigating with Miami. Um, there's some other schools that are on the docket that are getting investigated for their collectives. And you see all these schools scrambling to make state laws um, to say that, you know, it's OK for them to uh, to talk to the players about these NIL deals. And, the, the, you know, it's, it's all sort of retroactively because they know that if they get pinched by the NCAA, they're going to try to hide behind the state. And then they're going to have the state try to sue the NCAA for, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know what the what the, the, the grounds would be for that, but. Um, that's what it seems like it's what's happening right now. And I mean, it might just disintegrate college football as we know it, but you know, that's another podcast for another time. Can I confess something to you? Can, you can confess something to me uh, as long as it has nothing to do with uh, the crabs in Texas tech. Sure. Or, sure. Or not Texas tech, excuse me, Trevino tech. I Trevino apologize. Tech. I apologize. Texas tech fans. If you're going to take over my program. You need to know the name of the school that you're representing Gerard. But my confession is, I don't love the name Stay Doubted. I'm just going to put that out there. I've sat on it for about a week now, and I just I just need to come out and say it. I don't like yeah, the name Stay I, Doubted. I, I agree with you. It, it, it doesn't, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't. I, I've thought about it, too. I go, you know, I didn't like it initially. I go, well, let me just, you know, whatever, I, you know. But, I, yeah, not. it's not ringy. It doesn't, it's kind of questionable. It's like, what? Did, stay what? what? For what? What do you mean? Like, what does that mean? You know, you kind of would like it to be a little more pithy. And, and uh, a little more direct. Um, 
And again, I, you know, Boulevard and, and that whole thing that, that seemed to be created by USC, but it wasn't, it, it seems like that was a company on it itself. And now that company has been maybe bought over. I, again, I don't want to speak out of class because I'm not 100% sure, but um, that's the state of the game when it comes to uh, USC and NIL. And I mean, they're doing a good job. They've been proactive with the marketing standpoint of things. But again, USC seems to be playing more on the proven commodities right? The, the, the kids and the players that have proven themselves one way or the other, that actual legitimate corporations and services want to use to promote their goods. Whereas these other schools, a lot of these other schools are just using boosters to pull money together, to go after whoever they want and whoever they like and say, Hey, we need this guy to go win a championship. There's a difference there. There's a big difference there. And again, the NCAA is talking like one is legal and one is not, but what teeth they have to enforce it remains to be seen. Remains to be seen, but we will, it will be seen. uh, I suspect in the coming months and years um, as this continues to shake out. Gerard, are you ready to do some listener questions? I am ready. Okay, then. This one comes from, uh, wait, actually, before I do that, I just want to remind you that you can send us, I always do this after I've done questions, but I need to do it before. Uh, I just want to remind you that you can send us a question and we'll answer it on the show. You can email us at podcast at uscfootball.com. Just make sure you put the composite, the two-star recruits, Hurricane, 10K, those Latino guys, whatever you want, just address it in a way that we know it's for us and we will get it added to our show. You can also DM me a question, if you will. My DMs are open, and people submit there probably more frequently are through the DMs. So, again, that's podcast at uspeople.com, and, or you can DM me at Chris and Trevino. Gerard just isn't on Twitter, so don't even bother. Um, so let's jump into this. Hey, Chris, with you and Hurricane crushing it with your composite two-star recruits podcast these last few months, would either of you have a hunch or intel speculation if American Heritage wide receiver Brandon Innes makes an official visit to USC during the upcoming season? Also, any chance Lamar High School offensive lineman Isaiah Robinson takes an official visit to USC with the Trojans making his top 12? Keep up the excellent work, and I look forward to your next podcast. Thank you, Corey. So we kind of touched on uh, Brandon Innes uh, a little bit earlier with the show, but he did, in fact, uh, pop on a commitment to Ohio State, which is, you know, something we sort of talked about earlier in in in, in podcast here that that is certainly a possibility and that it seemed to be he was trending towards the Buckeyes. And it'd be really good for USC if he didn't make an official uh, sorry, a commitment off that official visit this past weekend. But lo and behold, that has been the case. Uh, He has stated multiple times before that that he was going to take his USC official visit in season. And he also said that he had said, you know, a couple times when the recorder wasn't recording that he didn't plan on committing until signing day or, you know, at the end of the season, which, you know, obviously that's not the case. Uh, and I don't think we ever we, – we, we didn't really think that would be the case, especially if a guy of his uh, ranking and stature it seemed like a guy who was going to commit earlier rather than uh, later. So USC – you know, I don't think this is a 
devastating blow to USC, obviously, just because I think they're going to be fine when it comes to recruiting skilled players and pass catchers specifically. You know, we did mention that they put out a new 2023 offer, uh, Jaron Hamilton out of Florida, who's been blowing up. So just doing a little reshuffling of the wide receiver board. seems like they do want at least one more wide receiver. But I think they're going to be okay with the with the with the guys they're going to bring in this season, uh, regardless if that includes Innis or not. And there's a chance, you know, if USC is winning a bunch of games, that they can get them on campus for an official visit, and that still happens. I think USC definitely can get back into it here if they want to, if they choose to, with a good season. I think that there's a potential for them to have him on an unofficial visit. Um, it's not out of the question, but again, at that point, it's, you know, who else is on the docket? Who else are you recruiting? Um, who else do you like? You know, I, I think that a bigger receiver to go along with Makai Lemon and Zach Branch would be nice. A little diversity there, you know, get a guy that's got a little more height. Maybe, um, there's nobody that's really like, you know, that jumps off the target list right now that they have a good shot at recruiting. Uh, that's that guy. But nevertheless, you never know. I mean, receiver position, guys can develop. And uh, certainly, I mean, you talk about Jaron Hamilton. I mean, that's a, that's a guy that's a three-star that's, that's come out of nowhere, and he's got offers from USC and Alabama here in the last few weeks, like last two weeks, literally. So, yeah, there's, there's always guys that can come out of the woodwork. You're feeling pretty good because you've got Zach Branch and you've already got Makai Lemon. Um, I think there's definitely a third guy out there for them. Uh, DeAndre Moore is another guy that's going to be local. He's going to be able to come to games and you start throwing up a bunch of numbers and you have this great offense and you're winning and you're competing uh, for potentially a spot in the college football playoff next year. And I don't know, you know, again, always talk about like sort of what's the point of their success that it can pull in guys, you know, that maybe that, that, that were harder pulls before and, and, and what's the expectation. I still think eight wins is the expectation. That's I've talked to, I don't know, probably like seven or eight guys at this point that are looking at USC. Some are committed, some are not committed. And I think eight wins tends to be the sort of expectation because it it always comes out. I think they can go to the college football playoff. Like a lot of the commits, even Braxton Myers, it's talked about this in his story, says, I think they can get to the college football playoff. And I'm like, well, what they can do, <laughs> what you think they can do as opposed to what you expect is different. And I think that has to be true of the fan base as well. You have to come to terms with what your actual expectations are and then what the potential of the team is. Because those are two different things. So I think for most recruits, they feel like eight wins is like, all right, cool. I think they keep most of their commits that they get over the summer with eight wins. Um you dip below that, and then yeah, maybe you, you start to lose guys. Uh, I think if you get above that, you probably have to get to around 10 wins, Rose Bowl, and then maybe you're able to go grab, you know, uh, DeAndre Moore away from Adidas. <laughs> I mean, uh, Louisville. And so, I mean, nice. that's, that's nice. kind of what, what you're looking for building during the season on the field because that's a huge recruit tool. That's a big deal. Everybody sort of wants to forget about that in the offseason and we all get wrapped up with the golden hour and everything about an official visit. And But then the season comes and it's like, holy crap, it just changed the game for so many teams and so many schools and so many recruits. And now you got this coach is on the hot seat that wasn't on the hot seat before the season. This coach might be going to the NFL. There's all this stuff that changes 
And so, again, we talk about with some of these guys, it's just about staying within striking distance, you know, having that traction, staying around, having a good season, producing results on the field. And then you've got that stability with the coaching staff. You might be able to cap the recruiting class off with some, some guys that, you know, at this point or, or in August, July, we're thinking, you know, USC's on the outs for. And in terms of Isaiah Robinson, that's a guy we've mentioned on this podcast before. USC made his top 12 earlier in the, the spring, maybe early, maybe last month, I believe. Uh, he's been sort of more low key. He's only taken two official visits uh, this month, that being to Cal. And then this past weekend, he went to Baylor. The The feeling is that the the Bears are his leader at the, at the moment. Um, but he is definitely a guy I could see taking a visit at some point, probably more so in the season. Um, I guess it's possible they could get him on campus, sneak him in campus, sneak him on campus, uh, say this weekend. Uh, but I don't, I don't think there's any sort of on, he's not on the radar to take a visit anytime soon, but he could, it seems like he's going to wrap up those three remaining officials in the fall. Yeah, a bit of an enigma this offseason because he's spoken very highly of USC in the past, and he took that unofficial visit when USC was down, and they weren't playing very well last season, but talked a lot about L.A. and how he enjoyed L.A. And so he was a guy that was on our radar, and it seemed like USC and Texas were kind of his top two schools, but we just really haven't heard a lot from him or about him uh, when it comes to USC. So USC is in the top 12. Um, he's taken his official visits to Baylor, which is this past weekend. Uh, he went to Cal as well. Uh, but, you know, you, you still have Miami and Texas and, and USC there that are still recruiting there. So we'll see if he's one of those guys that wants to pop and, um, you know, make his, his, his decision before the school year. A lot of those guys just feel pressure, you know, to do that. They, they don't just feel pressure from college coaches that, you know, feel like they have a chance at landing him, but they feel pressure from their high school coaches too because, you know, high school coaches don't want you going on official visits and taking red eyes and doing all this stuff during the season. They want you to focus on your high school year so they can go win a state championship. So that comes into play as well. Um, I think with USC, it'll be interesting to see how many visitors they bring in during the season just because it's going to take some time to, to build up the excitement with the football program. I, you know, It's just not going to be like it is in the South or in Texas, or, or one of these places where it's like, oh, Lincoln Riley, and, and you're going to have sellout crowds immediately. You've got to prove it at USC. You know, you've got to prove it. Pete Carroll had to prove it. Um, every coach that's come through, you have to sell the product on the field to the fans. And uh, Los Angeles is full of passive sports fans that just want to see a winner, that just want to see exciting ball play, and whether it's basketball or it's football or it's baseball, if you have that and you put it on the field, they will come. It's a sort of, you know, if you build it, they will come. And so that's maybe not going to be for the Stanford game. Maybe that's not going to be uh, for the first few games that you have. Um, but by midseason to the end of the season, if you're rolling and you're undefeated, then, yeah, for sure, you're going to start to see the Coliseum field. You're going to have that environment, that atmosphere that you can compare with other schools in these other regions. And then you start to, I think, become a little more uh, open to the idea of bringing in recruits uh, that are that are visiting officially. 
Our next question comes from Ben in La Crescenta. La Crescenta. Uh, congratulations to the USC 4x100 track team for winning the NCAA championship. Are Nicholas Harbour, Roderick Pleasant, Zachariah Branch, and Domani Jackson going to be the next 4x100 NCAA champions? Probably not. Okay. But let's say, <laughs> let, let's just let's just say all those guys sign with USC and they're going to be both whatever football and track. Do you think that's a national championship four by 100? I mean, that's a good question. I just don't follow track enough to know where the top teams are and, and who those guys individually are and what kind of times they're running and what kind of times they're running out of high school. Um, I don't think Zach branch is going to run track at USC. I think that he wants to, uh, really focus on football. And I question whether Damani is going to as well. Um, obviously he didn't because he had the injury this past spring, but I don't know going forward that he's necessarily going to run track. I mean, he talked about it coming out of high school, but you know, once you get into to, to, to football and you get into that, that, that mode of like, all right, it's such a sacrifice and there's so much that's involved in it to be a good football player. And first and foremost, that's what your mindset is. You know, it's kind of tough all of a sudden to transition to start running track for a guy like, Roger Pleasant, that's a different deal. And for Nick Harbour, that's a different deal. Those guys, for sure, if they go to college and they play football, for sure they're going to run track. Um, but for some of the other guys, it's it's a little more like they're doing it because they're good at the high school level and they've got some good times. But once they get into that 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 football mode, it's kind of like it's different than high school, man. It's, it's all year round. And our final question, question it's actually a two-part question come from my guy giovanni uh the first one let's get that one out of the way how many commitments will usc get before the season starts so they're at 11 now i will say by the time september 3rd kickoff i will say they have 17 recruits 17 commits so six more that's probably way too high Hmm. Looking, looking at who's going to potentially commit before the start of the season, you have quite a few guys there. I mean, the guys that were officially visiting this past weekend, you know, a majority of those guys are talking about making decisions before the start of the season. So, you know, I said USC could get potentially 10 commits from just this past weekend. Looking at a majority of those guys probably committing – uh, before the end of summer. So that would put you at 21. So I would say, you know, I think it's definitely going to be more than 17. I think USC shooting for more than probably 18, uh, bringing all those guys in when they did. Unless some guys back out there and, and it gets to be August and they're like, ah, I'm just not sure yet. I mean, I'm going to say it's going to be around 20. Okay. Okay. A little more optimistic than me. So I say 17. Uh, uh, Hurricane says twenty, so we'll see. September third, I'll make a note and we'll try to uh, try to see who was who was better. <laughs> we'll try to who was better. Try to shame the person that was too optimistic is what you're saying. Yeah, we'll 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 do that. Homer, uh, Homer, then, you're a Homer. And then the final question, which is sort of plays into the question, which we haven't done in a while, so I'm going to do. Uh, take this question as it's non USC football uh, recruiting related. So we'll make it that if you were tasked with running another two hour podcast, what subject would you talk about? I love this question. 
Well, we would have to talk about a subject that we both have in common. I would, I would think, right? This is true. I interpreted it as individually, oh, individually. but <laughs> I, I mean, like we could do individual answer, and then what the our common co-hosting one would be. I, I mean, feel like for me, it could be a lot of things. Like, I mean, you're just talking like hobby wise. I mean, obviously, I, I play a lot of video games, so it would be about video games. Could be about guns. Very much into uh, <laughs> weaponry and, and, and guns. We could talk sniper rifles. We could talk uh, the latest, uh, you know, uh, the M5 uh, rifle that the uh, U.S. military is putting together, made by SIG. The MCX, uh, I believe it's called Spear in the commercial market, but it's going to be uh, designated as the M5. He's, yeah, he's, already, he's, lot, already going, I, he's already going off. He was ready I to have, go 30 I have minutes weird, on this. I have weird, I mean, I, I love philosophy, so I mean, I would... I don't really. I'm not. I'm not a, a an expert of any means on philosophy. So, I mean, I, I like to talk about it vis a vis. You know, with, with you know different. You know how it relates to different topics. You know, like psychology, consciousness, and etc. But I but I don't know enough to speak as some type of expert to have a two hour podcast on it too. So I, I mean, it would probably be more like around revolve around like like video game stuff. Um, what else? A two hour podcast. Um, yeah, I know. There's there's a, there's a few things. I, I mean, obviously, I, I like music, so like metal, you know, and and I could probably talk a lot about that a bit. I'm I'm kind of, kind of a nerd. I'm a nerd for like certain things. Like there's some stuff that I'm way too like OCD, intricate, detailed. Like I don't know everything about it. And then there's other things that I just don't care about at all. And it's like you like what? How how do you not care about that? You know? So I'm a weirdo like that. So. Oh. Music, yeah, it, you said. I think video games we could both talk about to some extent, right? Like you, you play enough. You're not. I, I wouldn't really call Chris a gamer. He's, but you know, he's a console sort of plebe that you know plays some games here and there. I've I've driven a Warthog in Halo. Yeah. So <laughs> he was so disappointed know? in that. He was like, "Yes." <laughs> uh, individually, I think I would probably do movies. I think I could talk a long time about movies. Um, but that, but that's, uh, but I have a fun pitch for you for the joint one. If you're, if you're ready to hear me out. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to hear you out. I'm, I'm I think it would, out. I think it would be a weird sort of like YouTube podcast where we go down like a YouTube rabbit hole and then like talk about it. So YouTube rabbit hole, what's it, what, what, what? Which rabbit hole do you mean? Because there's like a lot of that. You can go a lot. Yeah, every 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 show is a different rabbit hole. So, like, are we talking about the? Um, are we talking about like the Kennedy the Kennedy assassination, the moon landing? It could be Last literally watch. anything, Gerard. It's like, <laughs> hey, it's Monday, Gerard. I stumbled upon this uh, YouTube video about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Joe Biden's finding off a bike. <laughs> what? Sure, whatever. It just, was it just, gravity or was there a a shooter in the, in the grassy it's, knoll? It's <laughs> just anything. It's whoever comes with an idea or like, hey, I found this. I've spent way too long on it. Let's talk about it. I think that would be the the show I'm pitching. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's. I mean. I mean, people right now love talking about UFOs. And uh, I mean, that's really sort of the funny thing is like Joe Rogan, 
that's such a popular podcast. But I mean, it's he gets in trouble because of politics and all this other stuff that comes up, and you know, talking about COVID and all this stuff. But truth of the matter is, he built that podcast really talking about UFOs and uh, and, uh, and and weed. <laughs> that was that's, that's what people are. Over. I mean, that's that's what kind of his best episodes are, are, are about, like UFOs and like um, ancient civilizations and all kinds of weird stuff like that. And so there's lots. Lots of rabbit holes. Thing is, you got to read up on a lot of that kind of stuff, man. There's a there's a lot to know, and you got to have the experts, and he brings in the experts. You and I sitting there talking about it. Neither of I, neither of us are, are you know, are paleontologists or uh, you know excavators of ancient civilization, um, you know, pottery. It's, you know, we come up. You with don't know that. Pottery. You don't know that. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> so I mean, it's you know that I don't know. I don't know. Like it would be us just asking ourselves a lot of questions. And more questions. There's nothing wrong questions. with that. There's nothing wrong with that, Mr. Philosophy Guy. That's all philosophy is, asking questions and talking about it. Yeah, but you have to have some type of thesis at some point, some type of resolution to what you think and why you think it. And if you, you don't really have any real facts and information that are that are supporting that, then why would anybody want to listen to that? They're just listening to you talk about, you know, because Sasquatch like and this. how this one time you're, you're, you know, you heard something while you're in your tank when you were hiking and it's like, well, okay, cool, whatever, dude. But like, where's the evidence that to support, you know, your, your basis for thinking a certain way, you have to have some type of receipts, buddy. You got to have the receipts and you don't, we wouldn't have the receipts to, to necessarily go down a rabbit hole and have it mean anything. Look, that was just my pitch. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Uh, so the answers are video games Maybe guns, philosophy, whatever Gerard feels about talking about that day. Uh, movies for me and then combined is maybe like a YouTube uh, rabbit hole show. So there you go. There you have it. I hope that I hope that satisfied uh, your question, Giovanni. And with that, that wraps up our show, Gerard. Um, I don't know. You're not probably not going to believe me, but this is the first sub two hour podcast we've had since week one so that that stuns me to be honest that so you're so you're dragging your feet because you promised a four-hour podcast i didn't promise nothing i said the streets want a four-hour podcast i didn't say we're giving to them i'm just saying what the streets wanted i think you know the information that we have is sort of you know out there and it's just easy to kind of go over you know what we've what we've learned thus far, obviously we did that. And I say we, that giant <laughs> war room, which we called the war room special, which went on Monday night. And that was just like, you know, a mountain of, of information to just kind of, you know, where everything stands. And I, I think that sort of, um, you know, set the scene a little bit. So there's not a whole lot more to, to get into talking about that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, let's not ramble on and make it longer just to, just for the sake of making it longer. Uh, if the information is more concise and we go for, uh, faster and, and we're able to get the, it out there, then, you know, so be it. Okay, well, there you have it. Uh, again, this is Composite Two Star Recruits. I am Chris. That is Hurricane, a.k.a. Gerard Martinez. Thank you for joining us uh, for this week's show, and we will catch you next time. That leopard sucks! Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.